thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest has been on my radar for a very long time and probably many of yours too. Her family-friendly recipes are freaking amazing and a quick visit to her Facebook page will leave you feeling inspired and totally hungry, I guarantee. But there's more to her than that. Yes, she's all about nourishing, but she's also all about nurturing. If you're a busy mum, listen up, because over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to give you some strategies to help you look after you again. And of course, we'll throw in some strategies for raising healthy kids too, because we're awesome like that. Please welcome to Shiny Healthy You, the wonderful Brenda Yarnshek. Woo! Oh, Jules, woohoo! I am so pumped after that intro. <laughs> it's, all, it's always so interesting to hear how you're perceived from the outside. I mean, and it was like, yay, that's me. You've got me. (laughs) Thank you. I do my research. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. There are a couple of things in there that did make me giggle, but I think we'll get around to me explaining why soon enough. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Brenda, the first time I came across you, it was because I saw one of your delicious recipes shared on social media, I'm sure. Where did you learn to cook, hun? Where did this talent come from? Were you a natural or is this something you picked up later in life? So this is one of the things that made me giggle. So so I'm not a natural. This doesn't necessarily, I mean, maybe it does come easy to me now. I, you know, I, I cooked a little bit growing up. But I have to say, and I hope my mum doesn't listen to this. She's not, she, <laughs> sorry, sorry mum. <laughs> oh, God bless her. I love her. She came over yesterday with like three days worth of food that my kids absolutely love. But, um, you know, she's, she's okay. She, she, my parents immigrated from Iraq and my mum had no idea how to cook. And my dad was the one who sort of knew how to cook. So he taught her some basics. Um, and you know, we grew up with really delicious Middle Eastern food. It has to be said, but, um, that was about it you know and um so I didn't really you know I wasn't brought up to learn how to cook those meals because it just was they were busy man they were my dad was working two jobs and studying and my mum was raising a family on her own you know without her you know without the the support of a tribe you know she didn't know many people all that so they were doing it tough so I guess you know it didn't cross her mind to get us in the kitchen which would just take take a lot longer um, make her day longer and make everything more difficult. So I didn't really learn to cook um, at home. But, um, you know, it was, wasn't until I kind of discovered my path to wellness that I started to really uh, get interested in cooking. Um, and I'll backtrack a little bit because I turned vegetarian for 16 years. And you kind of have to be quite creative um, as a vegetarian, I think, um, in order to eat really good, tasty food, because you, you know you just can't rely on your basic, you know, meat and three veg type vibe. And I think actually that's where I started to get creative and explore and look up recipes. Do you remember that Moosewood cookbook? Yes. Yeah. So I was looking at that yesterday. So I mean, that's a, a fabulous cookbook, and I think it really inspired me actually. Yeah. So I remember my husband saying. 
you know, because he wasn't vegetarian at the time we were dating, but he had to eat the meals that I was cooking and he didn't even notice that they were vegetarian because they were really yummy. So now that I think about it, Jules, I reckon it was my vegetarianism that actually helped me to, to get creative in the kitchen and learn how to cook. Yeah, and that, that really strikes a chord with me as well because I, I did go vego on and off sort of through my 20s and um, I obviously eat meat again now. But, yeah, I remember that period of, you know, there's only so much you can do with tofu and lentils and then you have to keep trying new flavours because you just get sick of the same old thing over and over again. Like it's, yeah, it, you you know, you can – I used to have like all these beautiful kind of hot pots and these yes, beautiful exactly. veggie layer bakes and things but then I'd get a bit bored of those flavours and go, all right, I have to learn to make curry or I have to yes. learn to make, you know, this yeah. this particular sort of region of the world's flavours because otherwise you just get a bit bogged down, don't you? Well, I felt that. I, I mean, it, I have to say – I truly believe I ate better as a vegetarian um, than <laughs> than I am now as as somebody who eats meat. But I I had to eat. Uh, you know, there was there was a turning uh, point in my life where I realised I had to eat meat again, and um, you know, so that's that's a big part of of our lives now yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So how how come you did start eating the meat again? What was that turning point? So um after. You know, uh, okay, so my husband and I got married. Uh, we've been together a very long time. I was 29 years of age and was ready to have a baby. We were married and I wasn't able to conceive Jules and um, I had been, you know, down the Western medicine route and we were staring down the barrel of IVF, you know, that we had exhausted all options down the Western medicine route and I actually just thought, you know what, this can't be the end of the road. This can't be my only option. Um, so then I started researching and I came across a natural fertility centre and it really you know, resonated for me and it was, you know, oh, you know, I felt like we could start again. So, yeah, it had been about two years and we still hadn't um, conceived and, you know, it was, it was, oh, my God, their approach was just so different. It was incredibly holistic and, you know, all the tests, all the blood tests that they looked, they looked at very differently to mainstream um, medicine. And it was very clear that I was anemic, Jules. Um, and as much as I had been trying to make sure that I, you know, was getting my iron intake as a vegetarian, it just wasn't absorbing. Uh, there's a bit of hereditary, a bit of cultural, you know, stuff happening with me and my iron. Um, so my naturopath, um, just, you know, she looked at me, she sat me down. She was vegetarian at the time and she said, Brenda, I'm sorry to tell you, but the most easily form of iron to absorb is meat. So I'd like you to start eating meat. So I had quite a few issues going on, but the, I was anemic and I had really low iron stores. And so that was basically the turning point, which, um, you know, and I'll, I'll never look back at certainly I still have low iron stores, but nothing like what, what I used to have. So um, that was it. That was it. So, you know, it was all about organic meat back then. And, you know, these days it's all about grass-fed meat and that's what we eat as a family. And um, it actually ma makes meals uh, a lot more simple. So that's what I meant by, <laughs> you know, they're not, you know, because you can, you can just have, your, your lamb loins and, and your vegetables and, you know, that's enough for everyone. Yeah, and I think the beautiful thing is is that a lot of vegetarian and vegan 
people that I know, they're very creative, you know, with their colors and textures. Yeah. You learn about, you know, beautiful fresh veggies and fruit and produce. So once you add the meat back in, it's like you've got this really amazing veggie foundation that you can put the meat back into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we eat a ton of veggie. It still is, you know, the fo- the focus of our meals, I, I guess. Um, I think the kids feel the benefits more from the fat and proteins, you know, directly, um, because that's really what they're needing. They they eat a ton of vegetables, but I think they acknowledge that what is filling them up right now as they're growing, they're growing so fast, is you know the fat and the meat because they definitely you know savor that. <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe something to say for my cooking jewels. Yeah. <laughs> so, so was it just the that inability to conceive that that was the curveball thrown at you in terms of your health, or were there others as well? That was the first main one that put me on this path to want to help, you know, families and help mums. Um, there were other issues that were uncovered, like endometriosis. Um, my husband also, it was discovered that he had issues and, and we had to address those, you know, on both parties. Um, you know, once, and I'm happy to say, you know, we after two years on a very strict program, you know, all organic, no alcohol, no sugar, that whole thing, we conceive what we call our miracle boy. Yay. Um, yay. <laughs> um, but nothing was smooth sailing from conception to, to even now <laughs> with him. <laughs> but, you know, um, other health issues did um, come up. So after he was born, I did suffer postnatal depression and I discovered that I had anxiety and other things going on. Um in my second pregnancy with my daughter, uh, irritable bowel syndrome was triggered in that pregnant, you know, the joys, the other joys. But, you know, you wouldn't change it for the world. They're, they're totally worth it. Um, also, you know, other things like, um, again, my, my iron and um, – but the main things that I do struggle with, you know, oh, you know, I know how to manage but really what – having gone through that dark period of not being able to conceive, and then hitting pretty much rock bottom jewels after I had my, my son, they're probably the darkest periods in terms of my health that I've experienced. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested in, in talking about the anxiety with you as well, because I have suffered from it too. And it's something that I have to be really vigilant about to keep in check. And I see it in so many of my clients. It's, it's just not even funny. Uh, tell me how you deal with the anxiety and what role does food and nutrition play in keeping that in check? Yeah, it's good to talk about this, such an important area. It's mind-boggling, isn't it, how many women suffer from anxiety. Like every yep. day I'm shocked and taken aback, you know, that, that, that it's the majority of people I know and the majority of clients that I see um, look, for me, Jules, it took a while, but I finally found a practitioner um, at the anxiety clinic. There's a fantastic anxiety clinic here in Sydney at St. Vincent's Hospital, and she was incredible. And I basically came back to good health through cognitive behaviour therapy, um, and that involved, you know, meditation. It involved uh, self-talk. Self-talk is probably, apart from nutrition, one of my personal most powerful tools, as well as self-care. 
Um, so, and, and also uh, as an anxiety sufferer, I had chronic insomnia. So it was about, you know, sleep uh, hygiene as well, learning all those amazing tools. Um, and I still, to this day, um, use them every single day. And um, positive nutrition, in my opinion, is the answer to everything if you're, you know, taking a holistic approach to life. So um, specifically in the case of anxiety, I found that certain foods, because the, the, the psychiatrist didn't talk about food. That was one area that wasn't addressed. So I looked into that myself and I was already on my path, you know, with, with eating really, really well. So, but um, certain foods definitely have certain properties, which I know directly help me with my anxiety. So for example, like I know that I can eat things like oat, gluten-free oats, um, some turkey, chicken, cheese, nuts, sesame seeds, even peanut butter, um, because they contain tryptophan, which is a precursor to serotonin, which helps me feel calm, helps a lot of people feel calm. Look, bananas and soy also do it, but I don't love bananas. Uh, they're just too sweet for me, so I don't really eat them. And, um, well, soy, you know, it's genetically modified and it's got all the effects on your hormone system, yeah. so I keep away from that. Um, and I also learned that B vitamins are really important because if you're low in those, that can actually bring on depression and anxiety and depression, you know, they go, kind of go hand in hand. So yeah. I make sure I eat plenty of foods that are rich in vitamin B, um, vitamins like beef and chicken, leafy greens. I do enjoy legumes from time to time, although I have to be really careful with how I prepare those um, because it can flare up my IBS. Um, I eat lots of citrus fruits, um, well-prepared nuts and grass-fed eggs as well, uh, pastured eggs, I should say. Um, Omega-3s, Jules, um, they really enhance my mood. So I try to eat uh, like wild-caught fish, uh, like mackerel. I do anchovies as well and sardines. But I have to admit it's kind of hard to get those in my diet because my kids give me the roll eye whenever I say it's fish for dinner. It's just one of the challenges I still have. They'll, they'll enjoy it after the fact, but it's just like, oh, the drama that goes with it beforehand. So, <laughs> so I sort of limit fish, um, but at least I know I'm getting my omega-3s from my grass-fed meat. So that's fantastic. You know, I don't, I don't fret or worry about that. Um, and my nuts and seeds, depending on the balance in, in the nuts and seeds I'm eating. So, and yeah, I eat lots of good quality protein because that helps stimulate certain brain chemicals like dopamine. So things like Greek yogurt, fish, grass-fed meat, grass-fed cheese, nuts, legumes again. Um, but I have to say what I avoid, I reckon, is just as important. So, for example, I'm really sensitive to caffeine. I don't drink coffee at all. I haven't drunk it actually for years because I'm that in tune with what it does to my body. Yeah. Um, but I have herbal teas like Rui Boss tea, Rui Boss chai, cinnamon tea, ginger tea I adore. Um, and um, sometimes though, um, you know how sometimes anxiety can end up getting the better of you, Jules, even though you've done everything right? Yeah, and it just but, you sneaks know, up on you and then it like oh, clouts you over the back of the head when you're not oh, looking. It really does because, you know, that's life, right? There are going to be certain events that are totally unexpected that, you know, you go, oh, you know, despite, you know, having all the, the you know, the tools in place and, you know, being in a good place, that can it can really throw you. So, and then 
when I have an attack, and I still do have them, you know, then it messes with my sleep. I don't know if that happens to you. Um, so then it makes, and then then I will reach for a bit of green tea because that can give me that little bit of caffeine, just give me the gentle kick to get my day started and see me through the day. So it's so much about listening to your body and knowing what you can handle, knowing what you can't handle. And sugar, I totally keep to a minimum because all those surges, sugar surges requiring insulin to come to the rescue totally leaves me so tired and low and it's just not worth it despite the fact that I love it, love love the taste. Yeah. Um, so I'll... You know what, if I'm at a party or I'm out with friends and they've made something beautiful, you know, I'll, I will definitely um, indulge and, you know, I don't experience the effects and maybe that's because I'm um, socialising and, you know, my feel-good hormones are raised, you know, maybe it counteracts it. Um, and I do, I do have a square or two of that delicious alter ego dark chocolate or lint dark chocolate at home every now and then again as well. Uh, do you? Maybe. <laughs> and by maybe, I mean yes. <laughs> and you know, I'm fine with that. It's totally cool. And you know, I really like it quite dark, so there's less sugar. Um, and I don't drink alcohol either, Jules. I have one or two again when I'm out with friends, but certainly never at home. Home because it really is a depressant just like coffee is for me so I totally steer clear so so that's basically you know my nutrition self-care um, in the form of uh, you know I'm really really good at self-care now it's taken me a while to to get it but I do that and self-talk and you know sleep hygiene all those things are how I manage my anxiety yeah, tell me more about the self-care because um, you have some rituals that help get you through, don't you? Oh, yeah, I can't. I, don't, I feel like I can't survive without them um, and it really did. You know, when you've got kids, they're little, it's so hard to, you put yourself last and so much goes out the window and it just makes no sense because if you're not well, you can't look after your family. So it has taken me a few years but now I'm such an advocate for mums and women to ensure that self-care is included. And, and for me, how it looks is not like going to yoga twice a week for, you know, an hour session a time or, you know, exercising for an hour. It's just not doable. It's not possible. I've got two very, very overscheduled, busy, active kids and truly the older they get, the more they seem to need you and I'm running two businesses. You know, you've heard the story. You see <laughs> even like me every day. So for me it's just like every morning I go for my walk, 30, 30 minutes um, or, you know, I alternate. It's either, you know, tra- when my daughter's at her swimming class on a Monday afternoon, there's a little gym next door, that's when I'll go and do my weights. So I'll do my weights for half an hour to 40 minutes while she's swimming. Then the other mornings I'll go for my walk or I'll do my sprints or I'll do my stretches. So my lifeline honestly feels like when I go for for my activity outdoors and I get to see the beach, I'm lucky enough to live just, you know, five minutes from the beach. So um, my breathing, I can't survive without my breathing. It gets me out of so much trouble and it keeps me even keel. Um, Obviously my diet is a huge part. Of, of my self-care routine and definitely um, catching up with friends. 
um, my kids always say, you're always out, mum, and I'm not really. I'm out <laughs> once or twice during the week, but to them. And, you know, that is such an important part of my self-care as well. So those things are my non- not negotiables. And whatever I can get on top of that is a bonus. But that keeps me healthy. It keeps my mind and body healthy and puts me in a good place. So some of this, you know, anxiety stuff runs in families, yeah? So yeah. I know that any any mum would be a little bit concerned about, you know, how things are going to pan out with their kids. What What's it like bringing up teens in this sort of world at the moment? Okay, so that's so interesting because, you know, my mum suffers anxiety and depression and, you know, it's definitely something it's it passed on, whether it's learnt or genetic, you know. And, and there have um, definitely been um, instances with my kids where I can see it happening, okay? So, and <clears throat> the interesting thing is uh, this whole, you know, when you're a foodie and you're passionate about food, sometimes what I, what I discovered is as much as I'm doing the right thing by my children, as much as I, you know, they've jumped on board and I'm, you know, we were doing all the right things in terms of food, I realized that to some degree, unwittingly, I was also creating fear around food, which is the absolute last thing that I want and the absolute last thing you want, you know, to create in your children. So that means actually taking a bit of a back step and giving them some space um, to figure things out themselves. I interviewed, um, I don't know if you know Maggie Dent. She's incredible. Yeah. She's a, yeah, she's a child educator. She actually, you know those moments when you're interviewing someone and it's just like, oh, my God, that is like what I needed to hear right now and what I need, you know, what I need to work on. And she actually just said to me, because my kids are 10 and 12 now, um, kids have a biological need to fit in. Because I was all like encouraging my children to to um, revel in their difference, revel in the fact that they were, you know, eating well for themselves. Their lunch boxes were different. Trying to teach them that, you know, approach, and it wasn't quite, you know, working out as perfectly as I had it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and this is when they started to hide food from me, right? Not in a major way. Because they know, like they know what, they listen to their body, they know what their body needs and they generally make fat, fab choices. Um, but um, so when she said, you know, kids have a biological need to fit in and we should allow for that, it was like, wow, that was the missing piece of the puzzle. So um, look, this is basically it. You know, my son gets um, money once a week for the canteen. Other kids get money you know, every day. And he makes a good choice. So that's fantastic. He goes and gets the butter chicken or whatever. But um, it's about just letting go a little bit and knowing and trusting that what you're doing at home is the most important thing. Giving them beautiful, nutrient-dense, wholesome, homemade food is what's important. What happens outside, I know that there's a lot of kids' parties and I know that sporting activities, oh, my God, give me strength, the lollies <laughs> and all the crap that happens at those. It's just the biggest contradiction on earth. But, yeah, it's just about, you know, you, the balance about not creating fear around food, letting them know you trust them about food and also knowing that you're doing the right thing at home. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that letting you know, letting them know that you trust them about food. I think that's really important. So then, yeah, they, they will come to you and tell you what they've been doing. 
Exactly. Exactly. And they do. And maybe not all the time, but they do. And you know what? And also me trusting that they're doing the right, you know, it's, it's all good. I mean, to the point where, I mean, my son and I wrote an ebook together called Real Food for Hungry Teens because he's that passionate about real food. Like, you know, he's lived in this environment and I brought him up and he adores cooking and adores real food. And they know, they really do know what makes them feel good. And the best way for them to learn about what doesn't make them feel good is to experience it. So, and they have. Yeah. <laughs> they've overdone it. So, yeah. So we're in a good place, I think, right now. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes you let you have to give them that length of rope as well, don't you? And and let them go and experience what it's like to overdo it. I think that's yeah. really important. Yeah, totally. And look, honestly, at this age, they're out in the twelve, not ten. My daughter's, you know, it's different. Twelve, thirteen, and on. You have no control, really. All you have is how you've brought them up. The, you know, the, the values and the, um, philosophy, philosophies and the experiences they've had. And I totally, totally 100% believe that even if they go out and rebel, which they're going to, and, you know, start to you know, experiment and fit in and eating whatever, that they will default back when they're old enough to what they've been raised to, yeah. to know. I, I have total faith in that. Yeah. The foundations are there. They really yep, are. They really are. So did you get your kids into the kitchen from an early age? Like did you get them cooking? And if so, what did they used to make when they were little? Oh, I sure did because, you know, this is one of my the things that I talk about in my work that I'm very passionate about. So when they were really little, you know, they had their own um, utensils and things that they could use. I mean, even just stirring, you know, just um, desensitizing children to food really helps in combating fussy eating. So I didn't care about, you know, them dipping their finger in and licking all that sort of stuff. Look, <laughs> as any mum will tell you, you've really got to breathe through this, getting the kids in the kitchen. It ain't easy. It's a big mess. You've got to pick your times. But the benefits um, are absolutely well worth it. So from such a young age, my kids are helping me make all sorts of things and everything in the kitchen. Sadly, I have to say, as they get older and the demands of school become, you know, increase because of assignments and, oh, my God, high school is just a whole other ball game, they, then they, you know, they look at me with the sad eyes in the kitchen wishing they could be in there with me but they've got to get to their work. Aww. So I know, it's terrible. And weekends, you know, when you've got, you know, kids that do nippers, golf, cricket, it's hard. But school holidays come around and they're back in there and we're creating recipes and we're, you know, we're back in action. So... Um, and, you know, when I was recently sick, Jules, I was struck down unexpectedly with a virus. And, and you see the benefits. My children were cooking. They were cooking for me and for themselves and look, able to look after themselves. And that was just like, you know, I was really, really sick, but I found joy in <laughs> realizing that, that they'll be okay in the world. So, so yeah, they still, whatever they can do, they still help me. Um, you know, chopping, making, cooking from scratch now, the whole thing. So I really, really encourage um, getting kids in the kitchen from from creating the menu to uh, making a choice about what they want to eat and make to going to the farmer's market and choosing the food with you and being involved in the kitchen to um, setting the table to everybody eating as a family together 
And at this age, my kids um, in the holidays, they both were um, told that they would be cooking dinner once, you know, once a week each. And they really rose to the challenge and, and enjoyed that. It was very interesting, the different meals they chose to make, though. <laughs> but, yeah. So kids in the kitchen rocks, totally. And there's so many other benefits to that in terms of math, English, all these other, you know, uh, things that they learn through it, a compromise and patience and creativity. The benefits are endless. <laughs> I'm just yeah. giggling here because I interviewed um, a wonderful person called Lunch Lady Lou um, a, a few episodes ago now and she was talking about how um, when she was growing up they had to take control of one meal a week and she says she reckons her family ate this one meal that she made every week for like years. I think, oh, it, was, so I think it was spag bol or something. She was like, oh, yeah, they had to eat it every oh, week. hilarious. <laughs> well, if my son ever has to make breakfast for everyone, you'd be guaranteed it's scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> he loves them more than anything. <laughs> and if I'm not making scrambled eggs for breakfast, he's saying, I don't want what you're making, Mum. I'm going to make my own breakfast. <laughs> he loves it. Now, Han, that's actually a fabulous segue. You don't even know how well you've done there because oh. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was breakfast because I know you've got a free ebook out there called Think Outside the Cereal Box and this whole concept of bloody breakfast cereals in Australia does my head in, oh, all right? God, if ever there was a sugary meal not to eat, oh, yeah. Oh, my God, if there was oh, ever a way God. that you shouldn't start the day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, <laughs> what's wrong with breakfast cereals and what should we be doing instead? Okay. And you know what? If you're eating breakfast cereal and you're kind of sitting there going, oh, my God, I had no idea, it's because – you're being marketed to by these clever marketers that millions of dollars have been spent in order to convince you that their product is good for you and your children. Okay, so don't worry. We're going to just yeah. now take the next step to move on because this is, this is the reality we have to become aware and we have to sort of look into things uh, so that we know. And, and the really, 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 really sad thing for me and that really pisses me off, Jules, is that most of these cereals are marketed to kids. Yes. Got 30 to 50% and the, the ones that are marketed to them have 30 to 50% more sugar content than the ones marketed to adults. So Jeez, anyway, I did not know that. Oh yeah, yeah, it really, really, and, and marketers believe it's their right to be able to market to children. This makes my blood boil, but you know, this is how we start to make change by these conversations and all the work we're all doing. Okay, so what's wrong with cereal? It's basically highly processed. So to make the flakes, the shapes, the puffs, the grains have to be heated up to really, really high temperatures. Bye-bye nutrients. Bye. Yes. Bye yes. nutrients. Bye. Bye. See you later. <laughs> and hello toxins. And, and then they need to be extruded at high pressure. So like we've just saying, so all the nutrients are destroyed in this process and any essential fatty acids are denatured and then they're useless. And I reckon they become toxic in our bodies basically. Um, not to mention that the shapes are then sprayed with, you know, synthetic vitamins and food colours and sugar to make it crispy. And then, then they, they're also so, so difficult to digest. Cereal grains contain something called phytic acid. I'm sure you've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's a, <laughs> a, a substance that basically 
binds up the nutrients and makes it difficult for your body to absorb and therefore very, very difficult to digest without getting too sciencey and complicated about it. They're high in sugar and incredibly high in, um, you know, their carbohydrates, high in sugar. And like I said, you know, the sugar content of kids' cereals is insane and their blood sugars are going all over the place and then they're crashing and they're craving more and then we're seeing behaviour, you know, issues and health issues. Um, oh, sorry, I've got a little cough, <coughs> getting a bit passionate. Um, and health issues that we start to see are things like bloating, constipation, um, IBS, allergies, infections, um, like I mentioned concentration issues, weight gain, obesity. Do you want to add a few more, Jules, have, or have I done them? No, have you're I doing great, mate. You keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, you know, with the cereal, often we're putting on not the best milk. You know, there are some fabulous milks. You know, I'm okay with dairy. My kids are okay with dairy. We drink certain types of dairy from, you know, good grass-fed animals and it's not necessarily being processed. But then we're adding in not not so great berries and, you know, I think that if you're making the, the first step away from breakfast cereals, a lot of people actually go, but what about wheat bix and what about Vitabix? Because I guess they're the best of a bad bunch apart from muesli. At the very least, you know, get a good good quality um, milk on there and make sure you've got some protein in there. You're always adding nuts and seeds, uh, some yogurt. I also like, you know, berries, um, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, slowly starting to change over towards whole foods, real foods. Um, so things like, I mean, in our house, we'll rotate. We do have sourdough bread. Um, we don't rely on it, but, you know, maybe twice a week the kids will have avocado, halloumi. Uh, always I add vegetables wherever I can, some spinach, baby spinach, some tomato. Um, or we'll have smoothies. Or we'll have bliss balls. Um, like I said, my son loves scrambled eggs and he'll throw in, you know, baby spinach and a bit of ham. And um, often I'll do bacon, uh, like with the bed of baby spinach, tomato, cucumber, um, mushrooms, some bacon and egg on top type thing. Do you know what I mean? Yum. So, yep. <laughs> you know, there's lots of options. And if it's a sourdough day, I'll do a French toast and my daughter will have that as a sort of more the sweet French toast and my son will go for, you know, avocado and goat's cheese on his. And, um, yes, so but often the first step is just to improve the cereal that you're eating if if it's going to be a challenge because kids don't like, you know, absolutes. But, you know, it's better to try and phase in, phase out really subtly if you can. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, and I find making your own muesli or granola. We have granola and chia puddings. You know, there's loads of options and, that ebook, my free ebook's got you know some fab recipes, and I've got lots of information and recipes on my on my blog, as I'm sure you do too, Jules. Yeah, it's it's interesting about the phasing uh, aspect with the cereals as well. I I've had it said to me, uh, I think it was one of my lecturers at college actually. He said, um, "You can usually judge how good the cereal's going to be for you um, depending on how long it takes for you to chew it." Um, yeah. So if it kind of if you put it in your mouth with the milk and it kind of dissolves and you don't have to chew much, that's probably not the best breakfast cereal to be going towards. So yeah. if you put it in and you actually have to chew and chew and chew before you swallow, that's probably a better one to move to. And that's you know when you mention the granola, it's like yeah, that's going to take longer to get down. So that's that's one thing that you could look for. 
Yeah. And the I, other would I, be the sugar content. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. I wouldn't know a good granola brand out there that's commercial because we've just made our own forever. Actually, I'm just about to blog um, uh, our favorite type of granola recipe because I don't like the dry fruit in it either. I don't like the taste of dry fruit. So I've come up with one that that is perfect for me and my family. So you know, look out for that on the blog as well. Yeah, can I can I ask, given that you've got that that beautiful Iraqi heritage, what would be yeah. a traditional breakfast sort of <laughs> a couple of generations ago over there? Oh, so different. So labni, you know, yep. labni with yes, some Lebanese bread um, with lots of herbs and mint, and there's a um, uh, omelette that we have. That oh god, that, what's the name? It's actually on one of my programs it's so delicious it's loaded with mint and parsley it's really really simple so that egg omelette so (laughs) they wouldn't even know what cereal is so uh yeah so and look probably I didn't grow up with it but I would imagine rice being a big part of the culture basmati rice is a big part of the culture possibly some sort of rice rice pudding but yeah it's a savory a delicious beautiful savory breakfast yeah, see that sounds awesome. I, I do get um, a lot of my clients when I try and get them off the breakfast cereal or just the toast and jam for breakfast kind of thing um, and they're like, oh, my God, but what am I ever going to have? It's all I've ever had. And I, I just explain to them gently that this whole cereal for breakfast thing is a very Australian concept and a very or very Western concept. Western, yeah. And, yeah, and like to look towards other cultures and see what they would have always had for breakfast because I think it's really interesting. Oh, it's just food. I mean, marketers have basically gone, let's market this to busy parents who don't have time, for, you know, who think they don't have time. This is the whole thing. We've been brainwashed. So we're convinced that we don't have time to spend two more minutes on cracking an egg into a pan or getting leftovers from dinner out for breakfast, you know. So it's yeah. a change of mindset. Um, and so just be aware of that uh, that fact as well. So Yeah, um, we, we went from a place where – and it's funny because I actually had that in the back of my mind just then when I, when I was talking about choosing a breakfast cereal that takes longer to chew. It's like someone out there is going to be like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time to chew. It's like we need to talk, right? You, me, we need to talk. But it's like we moved from – really you know really dense cereals to really processed ones that dissolve in your mouth and then even that took too long so then we stuck it in a little tetra pack and put a straw in it and off you go with that because you don't even have time to put your cereal in a bowl oh my god (laughs) to that note granted there are like I'm a mum my husband leaves home really early I've got a lot to do. This is where smoothies <laughs> save us, you know. Yeah. That, that, and um and also there's you know I believe there's benefits to to drinking smoothies in terms of your digestive system and stuff like that. But if you make them thick enough that you can actually chew them still, uh, which is how we like them in our family, you know, I think that they serve that benefit of of getting you out the door as well as you know on time basically. Yeah. And so you've you've moved into that almost into that I've got teenagers phase of life which is a whole other beast when it comes to how busy you are but at least you've got a bit of help in the kitchen there like looking back what advice would you give to women who are still in the toddler kind of primary school era advice about just how do they get this breakfast thing done (laughs) oh how do they get breakfast done for their toddlers yeah or if they're rushing kids off to primary school, how are they going to oh, get this Oh, so uh, I see, I see. Honestly, 
I know that all the mums listening will have heard this before, but it is absolutely the only way to go, which is meal planning, okay, meal planning, bulk cooking and being organised and having a healthy pantry, okay. That's how it's done. That's how I did it forever now. I mean, my kids were born and raised with a pantry where there were only these choices, right. So I always say, If a kid's brought up eating eggs, sourdough, spinach, tomato for breakfast, that's what they're going to eat, you know, when they grow up and become a teenager. My kids have no desire for breakfast cereals. So if you can get your pantry sorted, um, if you can get a little bit of meal planning, I know the toddlers, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But a little bit of foresight in what you're going to make and what you're going to eat and, um you know, then then that'll ensure that you're going to get the, the good meals on the table forever more, basically. And sometimes you are caught off guard and that happens. And then, you know, there is something sort of healthy in a pack in the cupboard. Jules, I've got a couple of those things in the packet, I won't lie. And there are brands that I can recommend for certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that's perfectly fine. So, yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. No. That's another thing that I've, I learned from Maggie Dent. You just need to be good enough, you know. You just need to be good enough as a parent. I've had to – I've got, you know, perfectionist issues as well. <laughs> um, and I'm, le- I'm letting go of it. God, it feels liberating just letting go of it and being just good enough, you know. It's good enough to be good enough. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, same. All right, ladies out there, you have permission to be just good enough, honestly. Yes, absolutely. And I bet they're all doing like an incredible, amazing job anyway, Um, that they're, you know, raising beautiful kids and they're loving and, you know, doing doing everything that they can. Yep. Our our biggest and harshest judge is always ourselves. Always. Or women. Oh, God, it's it's rife, Jules. It's rife. We've got to start changing the conversation. We've got to start to be aware about um, inappropriate messages that we're getting from, you know, social media, from our community. We're going to have to start talking to each other, being more honest, reaching out for help when we need it. We've just got to turn this around. Yeah, and that's why I'm so stoked that we got to have that little chat about anxiety and all that sort of stuff today as well because, you know, we, we need to talk more about this and not pretend that everything's fine all the time. Oh, God. I mean, you know, when I blogged finally, because you've got to be ready. You've got to be brave to talk about this sort of stuff, right? When I finally got around to blogging about my postnatal depression, the amount of women reaching out and, you know, yeah. and, I'm, and, and I, know, I know you've had similar blog posts that have got, you know, a lot of, a lot of attention and it has um, touched a raw nerve. Yeah, I think of- it's the one where I posted a picture of my thighs in a in my wetsuit, <laughs> in my swimsuit, and I was like, I didn't want to post this because I, you know, they're they're my not my favorite part of my body, and that was like it went viral, and it, there yeah, you go, like yay, <laughs> yeah, we resonate. We need to, to to have these more of these conversations and be real yeah. and you know talk about things because that's the only way we can help ourselves and help others. Yeah. Now, you have an awesome program for busy women called Breakthrough. Yeah. Tell me, tell me all about that. Breakthrough to feeling fantastic in a body you love. How good does that sound? Like what woman wouldn't want that? I don't know. It's just <laughs> it's a 28-day course 
And it's basically to help you transform your body from the inside out. And it came about when my naturopath friend Naomi Judge and I got together and we were discussing the most common issues that we see with our clients. And so what we were seeing mainly were either busy mums who were working or not and they were trying to do the right thing by their family. But we, we noticed they were always putting themselves last. Or we were seeing women who had built a fantastic career, but they were totally still feeling out of balance. So these mums and these women are feeling out of balance. They're feeling frazzled, run down, oh, no energy. They had stubborn weight. Um, they were bloated, depressed, and so on, right? So they, they just had totally forfeited self-care and had managed to develop an array of really bad habits in order to sort of, you know, a bit as a bit of solace or reprieve from from not feeling so great. So that they were ultimately like relying on things like caffeine, alcohol, sugar, that sort of thing to get them through the day. Um, so what we discovered was, uh, you know, that. Because our health and our body systems are so complicated and it's super important to understand everything that's going on, um, if you want to start to improve your health and feel fantastic in a body you love, um, we decided to create a holistic course with all the knowledge and all the information that we had um, in order to help women, you know, break through their health barriers. So it's not enough just to address nutrition and exercise, Jules. That's 100% certain because we see women that are doing, you know, in inverted commas, all the right things all the time yep. but not reaching their health goals. Um, so we go deep into um, resetting hormones um, and, like I mentioned, sleep hygiene and mindset and we talk about all the blood. What baffles me, Jules, is some of these women haven't had blood tests for years so we go through blood tests and, and so much more in the course. So, I mean, it's all on, on the website and it's hugely successful and we've helped thousands of women and we're really, really proud of, of the work that we do. And we've, we decided to put it into an e-course so that we could reach hundreds of women at once, you know, because it, while it's very rewarding and, and fantastic work to work one-on-one, -on -one, some people can't afford it and, you know, it is time-consuming and this way we're able to reach so many women at once. And there's something really amazing about that momentum of getting everyone to do something as a group, like they oh, can all support each other. Absolutely. That's, that's a highlight of the course without a doubt because we have a private Facebook group and Naomi and I are very active in there but so are the participants and they're all supporting each other and they're all doing it together and they're all sharing, you know, their recipe wins and their recipe fails. It's such an incredible vibe and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because one collaboration's never enough, it would seem, for you. <laughs> You've got another one happening as well with one of my favorite podcast guests, which is the awesome Alex Stewart. Yeah. Tell me about the Thrive Program. Yeah, so for me and my work, my work is about empowering and inspiring busy mums to nourish themselves and their families through positive nutrition and lifestyle. So you know, breakthrough covers, you know, the mums nourishing themselves and Thrive is super important to me as well. And it's the same thing. Alex and I were, were having lunch and she suggested we create this course together and it was like, oh, absolutely, you know, this is perfect. So Thrive is pretty much a roadmap to finding information on what foods are going to promote your children's overall health. Um, from things like how to boost their immune system to their gut health to the brain health, how to tackle common challenges that parents are faced with today, things like fussy eating, 
our kids' body image and body confidence, um, nutrient density, how to um, implement that. Um, we also and, and so a part of that, because it's called Thrive, Raising Kids Who Love Real Food, um, it's showing parents how to build a rock-solid foundation of health for our kids as well as a positive food attitude and that they'll take on through life with them. And that's what we were sort of touching on before when we were talking about my own kids. So there's so much recipes galore, meal plans galore, and, you know, we go through all the pantry staples. We tell you all the brands to buy. uh, And we've interviewed the top of the field, um, people like paediatrician Dr. Lila Mason, Fussy eating expert, that's a very popular module oh, as God, you can yes. imagine. Um, <sighs> Simone Emery from Play With Food. And like I mentioned, author and educator Maggie Dent. Um, naturopath Tabitha McIntosh, it's incredible. So um, the next round of Breakthrough will be happening actually on the 1st of November and Thrive will be March next year. Awesome. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, and I love how I love you it. can do one and then the other too. That's really cool. Oh, I love this work. I get all my joy for my work when I'm in these courses, in the Facebook groups and seeing the changes that we're making. It's just amazing. And, and so the best part is to see the parents and the mums who, you know, have made the choice to join and look after themselves and look after their families. That's honestly the best part for me because yeah. it gives you hope, you know, that we can make change. Yeah, this is why we do the job that we do. I yes. love it. Absolutely, Jules. <laughs> Brenda, thank you so much for coming on Shiny Healthy You. Can you just let people know how they can find you online? I will put the links in the show notes too. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Jules. Thanks so much for having me. Um, people can find me at Um That's my website. I blog about real food. I blog recipes. I blog about lifestyle. And, you know, come and say hello on my Facebook page because I'm sharing loads of information on there from all sorts of people like yourself. Um, so, yeah, and I'm on Instagram as well. And if you sign up to my newsletter, you'll get that free breakfast ebook as well. Awesome. Yeah, if you're out there and you've been sitting there nodding your head for the last half hour or so, go and give this lady a follow. She's real, she's honest, she's raw, but she's also killing it and thriving out there. So, Brenda, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It's been awesome. Thank you, Jules, and thanks for the awesome work you do. Love it. Yay. (laughs) Thanks, Jules. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye. How fabulous was that interview with Brenda Yarnshek? If you're interested in doing her course, check the show notes. There will be a link in there that you can follow to have another look. Now, if you like what you've heard here, please subscribe and then I will rock up in your podcast app every single week. How good will that be? And also, if you do love healthy recipes and you'd like to try some new ones out, head to julesgalloway.com and you'll have a look there on the right. You'll see a little sign that says free ebook. Click on that and there'll be some awesome, fresh, healthy, beautiful recipes coming your way in your inbox. Stick around because I've got some awesome, awesome, awesome guests coming up over the next few weeks. So don't miss out. Make sure you subscribe. See you soon. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.